All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our last day, our last class. Um, so some, some housekeeping to start. Um, we're going to today go through the, uh, go through Uncle Vanya, Vanya on 42nd Street. Um, but let's talk about the, the upcoming two weeks that we have left. Uh, so tonight by midnight, the papers are due. If anybody has any questions about that, you could ask me now or, or email me or I'll stay on after, um, the final for this class, I think, is on Saturday. PeopleSoft is down right now, so I don't, I, we can't check on it. Um, but I believe it's Saturday. What we're going to do is we're going to do it right in this room. Um, I will post it in the course content area. Um, you know, uh, at right before the final starts, and then you'll just have to email it back to me after after it's over. Okay. And so that'll be... Uh, I'm sorry, what do you mean right in this room? Oh, right in the... We'll do a Google thing like this. Wait, isn't the final... Um, isn't the final exam, it's basically us submitting the, the answers to the question that's going to be because you said we can prepare them ahead of time or something like that? Y you can work on them ahead of time, yeah, but um, you will have to... Uh, what questions you get are going to be... You know, you're going to get those questions on the day. No, I, I figured that, but uh, the delivery of them, are we going to be, like, verbally answering them? Or yeah, that's a good point. We probably don't need even the Google thing. We could probably just, I could probably just post it and expect it in, uh, I, into ours. If have to connect, it's fine. I'm just a little confused. I'm like, yeah. are you prepared to verbally answer them or something? No, no, you don't need to. I, I, don't need to do I, it. Yeah. And yes, Rachel, it, it is open notes. So what I'll do is I'll post it. I'll, I'll this is a good point. Um, I'll post it. We really don't have to jump back into this room. It's not going to be helpful. Um, so I'll just post it right before the final time and you'll have to get it in before that. Does that sound good? Uh, just a quick question. Is that uh, this upcoming Saturday the 12th or is it um, Saturday the 19th? I believe it's the 19th. You can check. Okay. Pe yeah. Pe people's. Yeah, that's what PeopleSoft said before it went down. I just wanted to confirm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could just, you could, when it comes back up, but I'm pretty sure it was the 19th. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good. Any other questions about the final? Okay. So this week I'll, you also, if you have not finished your weekly responses, yeah, I think it's like the last final before Christmas. Um, but anyway, if you haven't finished your responses, please get those done. Um, it's important that, uh, you know, they, they affect a decent percentage of your grade. So only up to 10%, each each response is only, a, you know, one point. Um, but yeah, so send those out as, as soon as you can. Um, what else do I need to say? If anybody's missing work, anybody's missing one of the three major assignments, uh, and you haven't been in contact with me about it, I've been in contact with some people and, and created a timeline, but if you haven't been in contact with me about it, please do get in contact with me. Um, you, you know, there's no reason you have to fail this class, but if you don't actually turn in all of the assignments, then you will, so please do do get in touch with me about that. Okay. Um, lastly, please finish the set surveys. Those do help a lot. When I go in the job market, those are, are what future employers look at. So if you could finish those and those in, that would be, uh, that would be great. Um, can you guys access them without PeopleSoft? I now realize that may actually be impossible. Um, I don't think I could have, because mm -hmm. I tried to do it today, like, do some of them today. Mm -hmm. And, like, um, yeah, but, like, it'll be back up on, like, in, like, two days or something. Okay. Well, if, yeah, that would, if you could just get those done, <laughs> that would be, uh, that would be helpful, um, in two days or whenever it is. Um, good. So, any other questions about any of that? 
just able to access the set surveys by like if I just Googled UConn set surveys, then I would be it gave me the option to log into the set. And right now, if I wanted to, I could do them. No, but it is available. You just have to not go through PeopleSoft. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Thank you, Kimberly. I had no idea. So please Google it and do do the set survey. That's very very helpful. Okay. Um, without any other questions, I want to do first Uncle Vanya, and then maybe some questions about the class overall in our in our conclusion. All right. Um, so start here. What did people think of Vanya on Forty Second Street? Any opinions about it? Okay, not uh... So I actually I read the play instead mm -hmm. of watching the movie okay. uh, just because it was more accessible to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought it was very interesting. I think it it really follows kind of the themes that we've been wrapping up this semester with of like these plays where you know there's it's kind of like about everyday life almost mm -hmm. um, with like some morality aspects and some life aspects and I don't know I thought it was cool okay good yeah I, I think that's a that's a thing to touch on if you I just realized this today besides being on Amazon um, Vanya on 42nd Street you could get for free right in our library so you could just go through the the Yukon library site and watch it on your computer um but yeah, so you read the play. It is kind of more more slice of life esque. Um, it is a lot more interested in people sitting around and talking rather than uh, rather than action, right? So it becomes even more quote unquote realistic than than Hedda than than the Ibsen stuff. Um, any other responses? Did anybody actually get to see the the movie? Okay. Uh, what were your responses, Sonia? she's typing um, <laughs> I just want to say I like that it was like a play about theater like I don't know I, those always intrigue me because mm -hmm. it's, it's always like it's interesting at least maybe I'm maybe I looked into the wrong thing so the the play about theater you mean the Vanya on 42nd street where they're doing they're putting on Uncle Vanya yeah oh okay okay I gotcha mm -hmm. yeah because it's like I don't know it's always kind of fun when it's like you know, you're watching a play, but then like, all these characters are ultimately trying to put on a play. I don't know. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of play within a play. It is, um, give you a little bit of a background on it. So, um, Rachel, you know, uh, excuse me, Kimberly is, is clearly talking about uh, Vanya on 42nd Street. The man in the red sweater, who is kind of the director, um, his name's Andre Gregory, and he is probably best known in popular culture for my dinner with Andre, but him and Wallace Shawn, who played Uncle Vanya and is best known for the Princess Bride, the, the never trust a Sicilian character uh, in Princess Bride, he's, he's Vanya here. The two of them would go into abandoned New York City theaters and just rehearse this play with these actors that you saw, including an undiscovered Julianne Moore. Um, back in the early 90s, Broadway was uh, kind of derelict. There was a lot of rundown theaters. People weren't going. Um, Times Square was actually pretty dangerous. And so what you saw was an abandoned theater. It was an actually abandoned Broadway theater. Nowadays, it stops worth tens of millions of dollars. But even 30 years ago, it was worth very little. And so they just went into these theaters and rehearsed. And um, their friend, Louis Mall, a, a film director, probably best known for Atlantic City, filmed it. And that's 
that's what we have here, is Louis Mal filming Andre Gregory's production of this play. So Andre Gregory, who's, you know, kind of giving notes between the acts or talking to people between the acts, that's really him. And he was really, you know, the person who directed it and had a kind of lifelong friendship with, <coughs> had a lifelong friendship with uh, Wallace Shawn. Um, and they would do things. They also did My Dinner with Andre, the, the film. And then very recently, within the last five or ten years, they, they did a version of The Master Builder, uh, Ibsen's The Master Builder, with the actor who plays Astrov in this. He was also in in that. Um, though that was less well-received than, than Vanya on 42nd Street. Okay. Uh, good, so that's that's some of the, minute, the elements there. Wow, Sonia's response must be enormous. She still hasn't <laughs> hasn't gotten it out yet. Um, well, we'll we will start talking while while Sonia's finishing up her her uh, her essay here. Um, but so let's talk about some of the play and about the uh, the kind of elements in it. So Rachel mentioned this that the the play is is closer to real life um than anything else so we'll start what is the major like the the non-metaphorical definable conflict in the play say the professor um he just has a lot of issues um with life and with how kind of things are going for him and that kind of spreads out um amongst like his family mm-hmm. okay good so yeah there's a there's a professor um and he is staying on this estate uh and how is he related to the other people on the estate? He's someone's brother-in-law, I think. Um, but then he also was like the caretaker okay. um, on the estate. Yeah, so he is Vanya. He's Vanya's brother-in-law. So he's an older man. Um, he's, he's a professor of the arts. He's, he's pr- apparently pretty well-renowned. And he was married to Vanya's sister. Now, she's dead. She's died. And what has the professor... So the professor with Vanya's sister had Sonia. So here are here's one of our major female characters, Sonia. Um, Vanya, our, our major male character. And... The who has the professor then married since, um, since his first wife died. Yep, Yelena. Mm-hmm. Yelena, who in this is played by Julianne Moore, and so Yelena in this play is, uh, a th- oh, we lost Sonia. <laughs> That's what happened. Um, welcome back, Sonia. Uh, so Yelena has, Yelena is, excuse me, at 26 or 27 years old, 27 years old in this. So there's a, an enormous age difference between them. Um, and so that, that's kind of the setup there. Um, what is the relationship between Vanya and the professor? Serbyakov. Oh, okay. So Sonia's Sonia's going to talk about the environmentalist aspects of the play. We're going to get to Astrov in a second. So let's let's save that for that. Um, but but anyway, talking about uh, Vanya and the professor. What is what is Vanya's relationship towards the professor? What is his attitude towards the professor?
So the easy things. Does he like the professor? Does he dislike the professor? He very much does not like the professor. Mm -hmm. um, and the main reason for that is because uh, he was interested in Yelena. So the fact that the professor managed to kind of snag her is a huge point of contention. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. And he mentions um, at, at one point... 10 years ago that maybe he could have proposed when she was single um you know and the there still would have been a major age difference because he's he's 46 i think in this 46 or 47 so he's still about 20 years older than her um however it would have been less of an age gap than what's going on now uh, so we have that what is also uh, another problem that we discover uh, uh, Vanya has with the professor. I want to say money was an issue, okay. I think. Money was an issue, yep. And so the, so Vanya, and Sonia had basically managed the estate and they gave the professor, you know, much of what they had, right? They took very little for themselves or so they claim. And they gave, um, they gave much of what they had. And what did Vanya expect that the professor was going to do that by Vanya's standards, the professor didn't do? Uh, more than that, it's um, the professor really never wrote a great work. And so v Vanya mentions that, that there was this great genius and they all saved and worked themselves to the bone to contribute to him to write his great work. And as Vanya says repeatedly throughout the play, like we get nothing. He ended up producing nothing. Like he had these periodicals and these essays and eventually... His great work just was, it was never manifested, right? And so there's this idea of um, they kind of wasted their lives for this guy and nothing really came of it. Um, they, they sort of wore themselves down. So it's almost like Loveborg from the other play, like plus 20 years? Well, Loveborg actually does it. Right? That's the thing with Loveborg. That's that's different than the professor. Loveborg is actually um you know, Loveborg is Hegel, right? He actually writes multiple great works. It's just, you know, he he then runs into Hedda who who destroys one. Um and even there, at the end we see that um um Mrs. Elvsted and Tessman are going to recreate uh Recreate the work. Yeah, exactly, Sonia. Sonia says, I feel like Loveborg is actually a genius and the professor is not. I, I agree with that. I think what we're given in this play is that, um, you know, is is a even less romanticized notion than what Ibsen gives us. Ibsen, you know, says there's this, this genius. However, you know, he kind of sees loose women. He gets really drunk. He accidentally shoots himself. He like... He he's not this like romanticized guy. He's just a genius, and geniuses are people too, so to speak. That's a wonderful bumper sticker, right? Um, but in this play, you know, uh, the, the professor isn't even really the genius, like you're saying, Sonia. Um, he's worked a lot. He seems to have produced a lot, but the expectation, the reason why people made sacrifices, people like Vanya and Sonia made sacrifices hasn't panned out in something. Um, and so these kind of resentments that Vanya has, that he, you know, and, and for the professor kind of overlap, right? He has a sort of sexual resentment that the professor ends up with this beauty, this young beauty that he knew when she was single and, and he wants desperately and can't have. She, she finds him disgusting. Um, and it's in the, the Vanya on 42nd Street. I think maybe you saw this, Kimberly. It's like really pronounced how 
how physically unappealing Vanya is, especially compared to um, uh, uh, compared to to uh, the young wife, um, compared to Julianne Moore, because it's like Wallace Shawn is this you know really good actor, but he's this kind of short nerdy nasal guy and julianne moore is you know especially julianne moore age 24 it's the the physical difference is very distinct and on top of that you have vanya saying i wasted the best years of my life i could have been a gogol i could have been a dostoevsky you know i could have been one of these great russian writers and instead you know i'm nothing like you know i'm i'm old now and 46 or 47 in Russia is, is a lot older than 46 or 47 in America in the 21st century. Um, it's, a, it's a much harder, colder life. Uh, and so there's that kind of resentment, too. That um, and, and those two things kind of go hand in hand. They overlap. So, yeah, we, we have that kind of conflict building up. Um, and... What? Where, how does that manifest? What ends up happening in Act Three, in which these 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 tensions, these uh, resentments, are expressed? How are they expressed? So about this, what happens in Act Three? Act Three's in all Chekhov plays. Um, there's four major Chekhov plays, uh, four full-length major Chekhov plays. There's more, but they're they're typically not staged. So it's the Seagull, this play, Three Sisters, and the Cherry Orchard. In all of the plays, they're all four acts, and the major action occurs in the third act of all of these plays. So what is the the major action that occurs in the third act of this play? Kind of getting close to oh, what's her name? Um, Astrov, mm-hmm. I think. So mm-hmm. like, he kind of now has this position of like, okay, so she'll go after him, but not me, and then I can hold this over her and all that. Yeah, so so that does happen, right? I think that's Act Two. Um, Vanya walks in on. Astrof and Yelena. Um, and nothing really comes... I mean, it's not like they like she has an affair with Astrof. It's he's attracted to her, she's attracted to him. But as with, <laughs> with many Chekhov plays, nothing comes of it, right? There isn't the traumatic um, Anna Karenina plot here. It's, you know, this is Chekhov. People drink and talk. And very often, nothing comes of their talking, right? But that is that is a point, another point of resentment that Vanya has to deal with. That another person kind of comes into the picture. He's actually a friend of the family. He's been there for a while, but you know, he it reveals how unattracted uh, Yelena is to Vanya. Um, but in Act Three. The professor gathers everyone around and makes a decision about the estate, right? He wants to sell the estate and move to Finland. Um, His idea is he'll put some of the money in bonds and that will get a 5% return. Currently, the estate is only getting a 2 or 3% return. Um, And what is the response to the professor's decision? think of is do do you know that meme where it's the lady and she's yelling at the cat like at the dinner table she's pointing and yelling at the cat Mm -hmm. that okay i don't i don't know that meme 
uh, Sonia says, there's a big old fight. Um, I'm guessing the meme is a lady. Okay, so we have, um, is Vanya the lady and the professor the cat? Am I getting the meme? Nope, I'm not. <laughs> let me let me drop a picture. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. We could uh, we could we could um wait for Rachel to do that as we talk. So yeah, there's there's a big old fight, um, and Von and Vanya brings up some points. First of all, the estate is actually not the professor's; it's Sonia, um, and you know this kind of accumulates with. What is a, you know, a, another thing is, where are we all going to go, says Vanya. Um, then we get the idea of we worked for, worked to the bone for you. Um, we wasted our lives for you, and this is how we're treated. And so then what does Vanya try to do? Yeah, he has a go at him. And he has a go at him with with a gun. <laughs> yep, exactly. He tries to shoot him. Now, okay, so here we have the cat meme thing. Let's see this. So anyway, I'll, I'll talk as this is loading. So she tries to shoot him with a gun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that is that's pretty much right. Actually, it looks a lot like my cat. Anyway, um yeah, so if this was a normal play, right? Any other play we've read this semester, what would be the consequence of Vanya getting that gun? I mean, it depends on what play you're talking about. Are mm -hmm. we talking about, like, Hedda Gebler, where she, you know, ends up killing herself? Are we talking about Prince of Hamburg? Mm -hmm. Well, okay, well, in Hedda Gabler, the you kill yourself, right? That's what happens. Or you accidentally shoot yourself in the stomach. Um, in Prince of Hamburg, you have to make a show of brave nobility and you know you have to be willing to sacrifice yourself before you can be saved um in the tragedies we've you know in in lear there's no guns at this well actually there are guns at this time but there's no guns in lear anyway and um but if there was you know there there's kind of a there's a major action there would be a death or killing or something but in this play nothing comes of it right the major action is the the kind of spilling of resentments the exposure of resentments in the physical action the kind of the, the shooting um the fact that vanya can't hit anything and he uh, i'm suspicious that he's even really trying to hit anything uh just reveals how um how uh kind of impotent he is in terms of his ability to do things in the world right? a lot of times we talk about or the characters in this play talk about starting again um, I think this is Yelena's monologue um, starting again embracing a new life um, having another another chance at it however they're they're kind of permanently inert they can't leave the estate they're sort of trapped to it um, they can't uh, they can get their years back. And even Yelena, who's young compared to the other characters in the play, Sonia might be younger than her. I think Sonia is, but not by much. Yelena is kind of like the young adult in this play. And even she, she's kind of trapped with this guy, and her her comfort to him when he's you know, upset. He's been up for two nights. This is the professor. He's been up two nights. Her comfort that she provides him is to let him know that soon she'll be old, right? That soon she, she's not doing anything. She's not going anywhere. Um, she's just going to pass out her years. 
And so there's this kind of sense of, of realism in the play, realism in the play is drawn from this sort of um, unmoving continuation, this inertness these characters have. And you could sort of see the, the history of it in that scene where they're, they're kind of yelling at each other over the table after the professor reveals his, his Finland plan. Um, and uh, Vanya, you know, starts talking to him actually about the history of this estate. And, um, you know, so I'll read part of this. This is not the, the play that was in Vanya on 42nd Street. That was the David Mamet translation. Um, this, I actually think, is a little better about the same. The Jean-Claude Van Ital translation. Um, they're, they're very similar, though, so you could find this part in the movie if you go back to it. Uh, anyway. So, um, let's start with Waffles. So, Waffles is the servant, right? Um, Tlegen is, is his name, but they, everybody calls him Waffles. So, he says, I not only greatly respect scholarship, Your Excellency, he's talking to the professor, uh, but I'm related to it. My brother, Gregory Ilyich's wife's brother, Mrs., Mr. Konstantin Tropfyomvich Lekidomnov, I think, who you may know holds a degree of Master of Arts, and Vanya interrupts, he says, not now, Waffles, this is business, to the professor. As a matter of fact, his uncle sold us the estate. Ask him, the professor, ask him what? Vanya. We brought it for 95,000 rubles. Father had only 70,000, so we were 25,000 in debt. Now listen carefully. This estate could never have been bought at all if I hadn't given up my inheritance in favor of my sister, whom I dearly loved. And then it took me ten years of working like an ox to pay off the debt. The professor. I'm sorry I brought it up. Vanya. If the estate is here and free from debt, it's because of me, and now I'm old and you want to throw me out. The professor. What are you trying to say, Vanya? For 25 years, I ran this estate for you. I worked hard. I sent you money like a good steward. And did you once thank me? For that whole time, from my youth till now, I received from you 500 rubles a year. My wages, nothing. Did you think to raise that amount by a single ruble? Um, and so what we learn in that scene is that Waffles, the, the you know, the servant, the kind of um, lower level character in all of this, he was the um, volume is like peaking really but anyway he was from the family that owned the estate right he was the guy who uh, you know he his uncle owned the estate he was the estate owning family and yet he's still trapped here um, and then Vanya gives up his inheritance so they can get the estate, right? Um, and then works in order to keep the estate. And then he becomes kind of a ward, right? He's, he's sort of yelling at, but also kind of asking the professor not to sell the estate, not to kick him off. And so the estate, you know, the, this physical location in some ways becomes a metaphor for uh, further inability to move on or develop or, or grow from their point of stasis. Uh, you know, Waffles is here forever, right? And what else do we learn about Waffles? There's a few biographical factors. One in the first act is that Waffles got married as a young man and his wife immediately ran away with someone else. And Waffles's response is, I'm not mad at her. I stay loyal to her. I honor her and cherish her. And I've, you know, never married again. I never went with anybody else. I've always sent her any money I had um, in order to support the children she had with her lover. Um, and, and, you know, so Waffles is this guy who's living on a state that's been sold out from under him, um, which he's now kind of a servant on. I mean, he is a servant on, but he, you know, he has to do what everybody tells him. And he's also kind of living in the past in terms of this this relationship that was never a thing you know he was married and she immediately left um and we have that kind of sense of pastness that's also captured vanya and it seems to have captured sonia as well 
they're stuck. They can't leave the estate. They can't really move on. There's nowhere to move on to. You know, Vanya has wasted his life, he says, um, in service to the estate. And then we have the professor who doesn't understand any of this, right? He's, he doesn't know the history of the estate. Um, he kind of recognizes that Sonia is actually the rightful owner, but it doesn't seem to matter very much to him. Um, and so there's a, a bit of a conflict here. Uh, we have these people who are kind of trapped in life, right? In the repetitions of life. And we have this person who is supposed to be above it all, right? Is supposed to be this, this great thinker and writer and all that stuff. Um, and legitimately does not understand the real world around him, right? He's your typical, typical head in the sky person. Um, he doesn't understand. It's almost like he doesn't understand reality. Okay, so let's let's move on then to um, to I'm going to presume Sony's favorite character, Astrov. So what's Astrov's deal? Why, why does he keep coming there? How about that? He's, he's a neighbor, and he's a neighborhood doctor. Um, so why does he keep coming to the estate? Okay. He's called an eccentric, right? Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's what people say about him. Uh, but he's there for what reason? So he's bored, and he ends up going to the estate because he's bored. Initially, he's going because the professor keeps calling him, right? There's an argument whether or not the professor has gout or rheumatism, and, and the professor keeps calling him out. Um, and at one point, he looks at the professor's medication, and he's like, has the whole district been irritated by his gout? Because apparently every pharmacy has given this guy medicine. So that's initially his reason here. And over time, yes, he becomes kind of bored with everything. And he sort of starts drinking too much while he's on the estate. And he has nothing to do. But what is his real passion? He really likes the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's kind of an original environmentalist, right? Yeah, and he thinks humans are destroying the forest. And he loves one way of, of manifesting this is with his maps, right? He draws... He has three maps that he's drawn, and he works on others of the the wildlife, flora and fauna, and how it's it's disappeared over the years. Okay. And he's also very much there for what other reason? What uh, what else draws him there? Yelena. Hmm. Yelena. Yeah. That's um. That's what is is attracting him. Right? She's young and, and beautiful and all that. Um, how does Yelena feel about Astrov? Well, I don't know if she's not into it, right? This is different from from Vanya. Right, so let's, uh, if we go into, let me see if I can find what act it is. Um, so we get her monologue. This is in act, I think it's act three. Yeah, it's in act three. It's towards the, uh, towards the beginning of act three. And, um, you know, Yelena is alone and she's giving a monologue about, um, about Astrov, um, and about Sonia too. And so this is, uh, this is Yelena and this is what she says. She's bright, good, and pure. Sonia is, that's who she's talking about. I understand her poor thing in this endless boredom 
Excuse me. She's bright, good, and pure. No, that's not it. That's not what it's about. I understand her, poor thing. In this endless boredom, people are like gray shadows, every day eating, drinking, sleeping, mouthing the same tired words. Then from time to time, he appears, Astrov. He's so different from them. He's handsome, interesting, passionate. He likes the moonlight, piercing through clouds. How could she not love a man like that? How could anyone help it? I'm a little in love with him, too. When he's not here, I'm bored. When I think of him, I can't help smiling. Uncle Vanya said there's siren's blood in your veins. For once in your life, let yourself go. Well, why not? Why not fly like a bird far from here, free from their sleepy faces, their insipid conversations, forget they exist, because I'm frightened, I'm timid, and I have too many regrets. I know why he comes here every day. I'm ashamed. I should fall on my knees to Sonia, ask her to forgive me, beg her. So he then goes on to explain kind of his, his maps and his environmentalism, um, and she doesn't necessarily respond to that. Um, but what's going on there? Why is Astrov so appealing to her and presumably so appealing to Sonia? What, is, what does Yelena recognize about him? He's almost like the academic genius that everyone else isn't. Like, he has stuff that he's doing, and he's creating, and he's he has, like, a goal, basically. I think that's another big thing, is that um, every other character is kind of, like, stuck, mm-hmm. like you said. Mm-hmm. But he's not. Like, he's thinking about kind of the world around him and how he can better it. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's that's a great way to put it. He has a goal, and everyone else doesn't, right? Everybody else has insipid conversation. Um, I I don't know if he's the genius. I I don't. You know, his work seems important to him, and I think what the other characters say is it might have a lasting effect, right? Even and and Astrov says that too. Even in a hundred years, if I have just a small bit I can play in improving someone's life then it'll, it'll all have been worth it. So it's really less about the grand genius who, who kind of informs things and about just this, this small goal external to the self that he can, he can go at. Um, and so that seems to be what makes him so attractive to Sony, also so attractive to Yelena, is that um, actually she really is into it. And, and yes, Sonia, she is trying to get him and Sonia together. And obviously, uh, he he's not even a little interested, right? That that has no appeal to him whatsoever. Um, and then she kind of gets him to say, "Please leave this place if you're not going to, you know, you're just kind of breaking her heart. So you you can't come back here anymore." Yeah. So that that is that's Astrov and Astrov's position here, and. What ends up happening to him over the course of this play? Right at the beginning of the play, he's constantly complaining about being overworked he doesn't really like his work but you know he hasn't he hasn't slept a full full comfortable night in a month or something right he says that at the at the beginning of the play um he's always afraid of being woken up and uh and sent off to do doctoring um but what by the the end of the play what can we say about his work ethic
Well, by the end of the play, he's also drinking a lot. And he, um, which, which kind of inspires Sonya to ask, uh, ask him to not drink anymore. And he has to, you know, kind of give his word of honor, which we see in act four when he leaves, he has a nice tall glass of vodka to, <laughs> so, um, it's, it's unclear to me whether he is not drinking at all or not drinking to excess. It seems more like she's trying to get him to promise he won't, he won't get drunk anymore. Right. Um, but he also becomes kind of lazy. He's there now all of the time instead of when he's called to work. Um, he is there, yes, because he's uh, attracted to Yelena. Um, but Yelena, as he mentions in Act 2, is also kind of very lazy. And Yelena knows that. <laughs> knows that. She admits that. She has nothing to do. She's bored. Um, things don't... Things don't happen to her. Right? She takes no action. And it seems like he's... A, a tr- he is attracted to her. He's drawn to her. Um, but the consequence of that is he also seems to kind of get stuck in the idleness of these characters in this world. Um, and so, you know... When everybody leaves, finally, um, yeah, he has to promise he, he won't come back for a while. And that seems to be a lot of what this play is about. And a lot of what the tragedy here is about is idleness, um, being unable to get out of your circumstance, right? And, and uh, Chekhov rarely referred to his plays as tragedies. I think he calls this uh, scenes from a country life. If I have that correct, let me check. Um, yeah, scenes from a country life in four acts. Um, he referred to The Seagull, which ends on a suicide as a comedy. Uh, the only play he referred to as a tragedy was his um, play Three Sisters, the play he did after this. Uh, so the idea of the, the modern tragedy, which is, I think, what this is dealing with, and I think we can recognize this as tragedy, even if... Uh, Chekhov himself isn't calling it that, is that the, the kind of tragi- tragedy of the modern circumstance is the inability to change, right? Not not becoming like Othello and changing too much and, and doing something villainous, but the, the sort of um, the idleness of life, the complacency of life, the, the kind of frustration of the frame, right? You can't really get out of your frame. You can't break free. Um, and, and tragedy isn't necessarily about death or big action. It's about, um, it's about being trapped, this feeling of being trapped. Yeah. This is kind of idea of wasting away. And yeah, it is, it is depressing. Certainly. Rachel. I feel like also like the role of a, tragedy is that it's not really something that occurs like in everyone's life if that makes sense like if you think about Othello like Mm -hmm. you know he kills his wife Mm -hmm. um you know not everyone is experiencing that Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. whereas I feel like the idea of kind of being stuck in your life and not really doing anything about it is something that everyone kind of experiences in one way or another at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. So to label it a tragedy would ultimately be like labeling the shared experience as a tragedy. I don't know. <laughs> that, to my two cents. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And um, this gets into, uh, I think what you're touching on, Rachel, gets into a little bit of genre studies as to what tragedy is when. Um, and there's this kind of idea, there's a critic Northup Fry, F-R-Y-E, who talks about, he does kind of like um, what's called archetypal criticism, whatever. Um, but he talks about kind of the evolution of tragedy in the different categories. And he would say something like Othello or, or King Lear is what would be called a high mimetic tragedy. So a tragedy that's meant to resemble real life um, you know, have real emotions and whatnot. It's not like surreal or, uh, or like Artaud or something like that, but it's dealing with regal figures who have to, you know, fall from on high, right? They're, these are not simple folk. They're high folk, high born. 
Um, then there's kind of low mimetic tragedy, like what you'd see with Death of a Salesman, where it has the same, like somebody dies at the end, but it's about common people. And you see this a lot in American stuff because we don't have technically not a, a regal class. Um, but I think what you're pointing out, Rachel, really smartly is what Fry calls an ironic tragedy, which is a recognition of the tragic elements of the everyday, right? And and it's ironic because tragedy tends to, in, in its other forms, indicate a great difference from normal experience, hence the great emotion that, that people feel. Um, while the ironic tragedy reveals the tragic nature of people's lives in different ways. Uh, and that, even though um, ironic tragedy tends to be done in kind of more experimental work, because irony tends to, you know, the, the more complicated forms of irony tend to require more complicated forms of writing. Um, however, I think what what you're getting at here is that ultimately it's kind of a form of realism which is where our our direction has gone in this class that ultimately what we find at the you know at the end of this you know road we've taken since august or, or whatever it is um leads us to the kind of recognition that uh what these plays have provided the kind of the, the emotional experience that these plays have provided or intellectual experience um when we get into the late 19th century experiment of realism is the recognition that that all of these things are actually contained in their own way in the lives of the you know the audience who who is watching it regardless of the that audience's relative privilege um and i think that that might be a good note to go out on uh, the the kind of you know the the ultimate conclusion that the um that realism is kind of a recognition of the the awfulness of of the mundane or the experimentation of recognizing the real um yeah and and sonia that's a good point too sonia mentions here that um, the conversation, the portrayal of conversation is realistic. This is something that Chekhov worked a lot on. You know, he was, he was interested. He said that, you know, people don't, um, you know, go around having monologues and, and uh, committing murders. They tend to sit in rooms and talk too much. Um, but anyway, um, so that is, we are well over, uh, a, a few minutes over anyway, not well over, um, so people are free to go, obviously. Uh, we didn't get to any questions, but they're, they're on the set survey. So if you just, you could just Google search set survey. Um, yeah, no, that's, well, that's what great art is, right? It's, it sums up the awful, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> which is maybe, maybe it's a good reason to avoid it as well as to embrace it. Who knows? Um, but I just want to thank everyone for a great class. Um, I will stay on this line if anybody needs to ask me questions, um, and hopefully I will one day see you around campus if that is ever permitted again. All right? But if not, uh, have a good one, and good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thank you.